Welcome to the Property Business Accelerator podcast with your host, Mike Frisbee. Mike is a well-respected property investor and has built up a high-yielding residential property portfolio across the Southeast since 2006. Mike is well known for his HMO expertise and for specializing in delivering high-end, premium and affordable HMO living spaces. Complex property knowledge made simple, direct from the property front line with Mike Frisbee. And welcome to this week's episode of the Property Business Accelerator. I'm here today with Stacey Coe from Brand Lective. And I'm really excited because as a property investor, we all know that it's about creating profiles, creating investment so we can get, I'm gonna start again. Welcome everybody to today's episode of the Property Business Accelerator. I'm really excited by our guest today as we're gonna learn a huge amount about marketing, raising profile, because we have Stacey Coe from Brand Collective. And I've known Stacey for around about five years. Um, we've come across each other through the property circles because she is a property investor herself. But today I really wanted to talk to her about her marketing expertise, obviously owning her own online digital agency that she helps clients out and she helps a lot of property investors out. So it's going to be some really interesting insights around what we should be doing as property investors to attract people into us, whether that's attracting deals in, attracting money in. But I do think it's important that we also know and understand marketing. So Stacey, do you want to introduce yourself today? Yeah, thanks for having me, Mike. I'm really excited to be here. So yes, exactly as you said, I own a digital marketing agency in London um, and have done for the last nine, coming up nine years, I think it is. Uh, and really, I launched the agency um, off the back of many examples. A lot of people go through redundancies, right? So the last uh, recession, I actually was made redundant three times. And at that point was like, right, something needs to change. I can no longer have this lack of control in my life. And so decided to go it alone and actually start my own business. So um, I did that. I launched Brand Active. Uh, and, and really, we work with businesses to help raise their profiles online and help to generate leads. So everything from web development, content, social, um, PPC, digital uh, design, SEO, you know, anything online you can imagine we probably do. And um, so I've been doing it nine years, absolutely love it. Um, and because of my background, I, I, I work with a lot of traditional offline sorts of businesses. Yeah. Um, and I love those sorts of businesses because, you know, off the back of the, the recession, when I had all those redundancies, one thing that sort of happened during that period was the industry that I worked within was the corporate travel industry that actually never recovered. It never came back to life. It everything went digital, everything went online. We all now book our own flights and our own travel and all that kind of stuff. Those, you know, those corporate travel agent jobs just do not exist anymore. And that really instilled fear in me where I thought, okay, these traditional businesses really do offer value, but if they're not embracing digital and not building an online profile, they're at risk. Um, so that's what sort of motivated me to start the agency. And I'm, I'm predominantly focused on very traditional businesses. So mostly within, as you've mentioned, the property sector, I work a lot in the direct sales industry, which is face-to-face -face sales, um, anything where it, it really happens offline, but people require the online profile. So um, doing that nine years now, obviously, um, 2020 has been an interesting year because unfortunately a lot of the fears I guess that I had from the last recession have kind of come to reality for a lot of businesses. Um, I actually wrote a book that was published in March last year 2019 called Get Online, 
six simple steps to building a digital marketing strategy for the non-tech savvy. And I talk a lot in there about my fear of traditional businesses not surviving by, by sort of not embracing digital. Mm. And then 2020 has hit. And unfortunately, as we've seen, a lot of these businesses that don't have digital channels have really suffered. So as you can imagine, this has been quite a busy year. Yeah, yeah. And interesting, isn't it? It all started in a recession. And then we were just chatting prior to the podcast you know, that it has been a bit of a hectic year and you've had yeah. to like pivot and switch and win pitch again and get new business. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of those traditional businesses that you've been working with weren't, were struggling themselves, which yeah. then means you potentially were struggling. Yeah. But I loved what you said earlier, because I really believe this, which is be in control or you will be controlled. And mm -hmm. this time around, you were very much in control. You were a master of your own destiny and you worked out what you needed to do quite quickly to go out. You needed to go out and pitch. Yeah. As you said, you'd actually... I call it sowing the seeds. You spent a lot of time previously, you know, speaking, engaging with the launch of your book. You'd invest right. in those assets, as they were called. Um, and, and then it's like, right, we actually need to now <laughs> reap some of those seeds that I've sowed and pull totally. that in. And that's what's allowed you, I guess, to succeed and thrive in, the, in, these, in these times, which is, which is amazing. So congratulations on that. Oh, thank um, you. <laughs> it, it yeah, it's been great. Achievement. You know, you, you probably don't sit there and think, oh gosh, you know, actually I've achieved quite a lot this year. You're probably sitting here going, what a frantic year. What yeah, it feels pretty hectic. Let's, let's look into 2021 as opposed to actually sitting here and reflecting a little bit that actually you've, you've done an amazing job this year. So, I, you know, my hat's off to you. I think, oh, I thank think you. Appreciate that. So, so that's really good. But I, I, let's let's touch in into the online and businesses going online. And, yeah. and I think maybe one of the first things that we should talk about, is, as you said, you've got quite a few property investor clients. So could you give us an example of what kind of work you've done with an investor, with, with, with a property investor? So people can think, okay, how does this relate to me as a property investor? What should I be thinking about? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, in the property industry, we all know that there's these challenges around trust, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Um, unfortunately, a lot of us as investors or landlords get a pretty bad rap, which, mm. you know, the, the types of people that you and I know, Mike, uh, we're not bad people. We're doing, you know, we're trying to run ethical businesses. We're trying to create uh, housing for those that need it, etc. Um, but, you know, there are some bad eggs. And unfortunately, you know, the industry doesn't have the best reputation. And so I think a lot of the work that I end up doing with investors is to help raise their profile to really show people what it is they do, how they do it, um, so that they have a, their own brand. And what that enables them to do is a few different things. One, it helps with investment because when they're seeking investors to come into a project or into a deal, that people can conduct research online and they can very quickly understand who this person is. We get to see their personality. We get to see the projects they've worked on. We get to see the, what other people think of them because they've really put themselves out there and been quite vulnerable about it a lot of the time. Uh, and that helps to build trust and it helps, it helps investors make quicker decisions. You know, of course, we expect all of our investors to do their own due diligence and understand the deals and all this kind of thing. But there's a huge part of that that just comes down to a bit of a gut instinct. To, do I trust this person? Mm. Do they have a great track record? Can I see that? Um, and, you know, if you've, if you've sort of started to build a brand and you can show, you know, four, five, six, seven years of history digitally, that helps to instill so much credibility into what it is that you're actually doing. So I think that part of it is that's the first part. 
The second part is lots of investors now are looking for multiple revenue streams, right? So they've got their traditional investing or the, the developments that they're doing. That's how they make um, majority of their money. But a lot of people go into mentoring or coaching or teaching or whatever it might be. And so it's really, again, important for them to have a profile so that people can find them and understand, you know, oh, look at that project that they've done. That's a great mentor for me to be working with, or that's a great coach for me to be working with. So that seems to be sort of the second route that a lot of investors, the reason I suppose that they want to build a brand online. Yeah. 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 And, and I guess what it does is, as you say, what it's doing is actually creating some trust because people can see what's going on they can follow for a while before they engage but it's getting to know someone without you know rather than the first time coming across right i need some investment or please come and mentor me well who is this person exactly i haven't seen and been watching so it really helps you know i guess it's you, you know they, they always used to say six points of contact or whatever i think in, in the digital world that's changed i don't know <laughs> hugely yeah <laughs> um you know, I don't know how many points of contact people need now, but it must be much, much more. It's roughly 11, but it depends yeah. on the point of sale. So, um, you know, for the we, the average business, we would say roughly 11 points of contact. But, you know, for a big ticket item, um, if some, you're asking someone to invest, you know, some £50,000 or £100,000 into a deal, that's probably more like 18 to 25 points of contact. So, yeah. um, and it's not actually that different digitally than it would have been offline, right? So if you think about the way that you would interact in business offline, you would, I don't know, someone would be introduced to you, you would go for that initial meeting, you'd talk about things, then you'd maybe send them an investor deck, they can have a look through all of that. Then they might want to, you know, speak to a couple of previous investors to understand what you would like to work with. So there's four, five, six points of contact. Then they might want another meeting where you go through the structure of the deal. So you you will have been doing those multiple touch points offline. So online is no different. It's like you still have to have to build that brand just as you would have done offline. The reason I love digital so much is I feel like you can kind of fast track it <laughs> because yeah. you can almost allow people to like binge on the content quickly rather than having to you know stretch out meetings over a period of weeks or even months so it's a much quicker so i guess that's the key difference between online and offline and i guess for those who don't know online you know online is obviously all the digital platforms and offline is the what i would call more far more the traditional media types or in person or those yeah. kind of things um but it's so you're you're i guess it's just helping people to fast track and the world seems to be speeding up doesn't it i mean it does the of change everything yeah it just needs to happen. Otherwise you'd spend forever trying to, you know, nothing would move much, would it really? I Completely. Guess. Yeah. But you know what? I think it's like, it's not an either or. This is not like, oh, I have to do offline or I just do online. I think sometimes us as digital, um, running a digital agency or being sort of an advocate for online. I think a lot of times people are like, oh, like I traditional works really well for me or, you know, my offline stuff works really well. I'm not saying give that up. I'm never saying give that up. I'm saying do it together like yeah. allow digital to help you leverage what you're already doing in some of your offline activity yeah so it's a complementary um, absolutely you know, it's a complementary thing and one isn't going to replace the other and it's just and it, and it is different formats you can probably do different things as well and i guess you can have different interactivity i guess it's probably also a bit more interactive and a bit more people can get a bit more engrossed and as you say I guess they're in charge as well, aren't they? Because as you say, they really want to get into it. They can gorge, you know, people mm -hmm. binge. Net Netflix binging. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but if you're suddenly into property investing, for example, you want to know a lot about it. If you're getting into it and it's new, you're consuming a lot of knowledge. And I guess 
if you've got a lot of content out there, you're going to be one of the people that you, that might get binged and therefore might come across. And therefore, um, if you do do a mentoring business or looking for investments. Yeah, um, exactly that. Might, might connect. Yeah. So, and it, it's like you get to understand the personality too, right? So mm-hmm. you're probably going to look at initially in your first piece, you know, when you're still researching, you're probably looking at three, four different organizations or people, who, you know, whatever. And you're going to naturally be attracted to someone because of their style, because of the way they teach that information, because of the way they portray their business, that you will naturally just attract the right type of people to your business. So again, it's just sort of how it helps to weed out perhaps the ones that you don't want and yeah. um, attract the ones that you do. And I I guess it is about getting your personality across online, isn't it? Because I do think some people want to be attractive to all, but it's not about that, is it? It's about being you and it's about not worrying that you're not going to get everybody, but you're going to get the right people. As you say, you're going to attract certain people and someone else will attract other people. Exactly right. And I find if I look round, it's interesting when when you look at people and, and if we talk about property training, quite often... The, the people who go through different organizations, they kind of relate to the to the founders or the people at the head or the, you know, you can see the character types and it is yes. because, oh, I recognize that in them or I like their values or I like this. And then totally. you can see that they, they get sort of similar-esque people yeah. following them and, and, and everything. So you can definitely see that that, if you get the personality across, that is the key, I guess. I 100% agree. And I think it's just like anything. There's no, um, there's enough business out there for all of us. We're not sort of competing or fighting against, you know, others and trying to win this business off this other organization, this other person. I really don't look at it like that. I really look at it like, there's enough business out there for everyone. So put out there, you know, be very clear on what your offering is. Be clear, very clear on the way that you like to work. Be very clear on your values and what are, what's important to you. And, you know, you will attract the right type of people. So if, if someone's coming into this fairly new, maybe they've, they've done a few couple of property deals and want to take it up another level. So we're going to probably have to do something, i.e. maybe attract investment in or maybe work with other people. What would you say is their first thing? Is, is their first thing just getting down a little bit of clarity as to who they are and what they stand for and those kind yep. of things so they know what they're going to portray? So where would you recommend that someone starts? So the first place to begin, funnily enough, I cover a six-point methodology in my book, Mike. <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> um, yeah, fantastic. Great question. So um, the first piece really is that uh, the first step is connect. So how are we going to connect with the, with the right type of people? So first step connect what that means for me um, is a couple of different things one who am i who and what is my business so very clear on your usps what your offer is what you stand for um as you've kind of mentioned you don't really want to be all things to all people you want to be very very clear on what type of you know let's say you're offering training what type of um, investments you like to do and you know this is specifically what you're going to train on rather than trying to do a little bit of everything that actually you if you don't have the knowledge, don't do the, you know, obviously don't sell something that you can't teach. Um, so be very clear on your offer. The other piece of that is identifying who you're actually trying to attract. So, you know, is it that you are looking for mentees to come on a training program or is it that you are looking for investment for an upcoming project? So be very clear on that. So that on, on that, before you go out and actually start creating marketing materials or creating any kind of content for social media, because the more clear you can be, the, the quicker 
and the easier it's going to be to get the right type of people actually engaging with you. So who are you trying to attract? And really, what do you stand for? What's your big why? What's your USPs? Um, I always sort of suggest also in this piece of it is identifying how you want to come across it. Is there a brand as in, is it color scheme? Is it the certain fonts? Is it just your face? Do you always wear the same thing? Um, you know, trying to establish some kind of brand so that you're easily recognizable. So because consistency across, across exactly areas. So, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Because if what, you know, if you think that you're sharing, let's say you've got an Instagram page or a Facebook page or something, you're sharing, I don't know, a current project that you're working on a, you know, a construction site and this is what's happening. If I don't have, you know, a little bit of your branded color there or a logo or you in the video, or whatever it might be, it could be anyone's work. And I don't, it's, it's not easy for me to remember when I have all these things feeding through my channels, whose mm. project that was. So I think having that sort of brand consistency is really, really important. So if, you've, if you've made those decisions upfront, it makes the whole rest of everything you want to do around marketing and profiles so much easier because you're very clear on what you, what you need to try to achieve, right? So objectives first, just like anything. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, that, that's really good advice, isn't it? So because I do say to people, just get out there and do things, but they need to have something that that makes them, I guess, rememberable, makes it theirs yeah. so that they can own it. And that therefore, you know, maybe they're watching three projects, but that that's something in that. Totally. Yeah. Being, oh, yeah, this is Joe's again or whatever it is. Exactly. There's Mike's project. Love it. Yeah. And I think it's like when you're identifying, you know, who that audience is that you're trying to attract. Let's say you're looking for investment for a project. Yeah. So I'm looking for investors. I need to raise, you know, £150,000. Um, so I need to think about, right, who, you know, is that one investor? Is that three investors? And who are those investors? Are they somebody who is, you know, in time poor but has a lot of money so let's it could be a lawyer or a doctor let's say it's very <laughs> sort of broad but you know okay um so I'm looking for doctors who you know working in the NHS and then you know they're crazy busy it's the it's the middle of COVID pandemic they don't have time but they do are thinking about the future they are thinking you know they've got some funds they want to be doing things so then all of your content then becomes around how do I help that doctor make the right investment decision so it might be that you start to put together, you know, a little slide deck or some content around, you understand their pain points, you know, they're super busy, they're, they're doing this, here's what you've been able to do for other people that are exactly the same as them. It just helps to guide the content you're creating because mm. it's, it's very focused and very niche. Um, whereas you, if you're just putting stuff out there for anybody to be an investor, it's really difficult for people to recognize that yeah. they're the right person for you. Okay, so the next tip is to work out who your audience is. You know, you're often hearing that, I guess, in the marketing industries, people talk about avatars, you know. Yes, who exactly. This, who is this, um, you know, the avatar of your, so who are you trying to attract, why you're trying to attract? And I think, I guess, I guess people sometimes hate making decisions, don't they? I guess, do you have People love, really 100%, everybody wants to, everybody. And what they want. And Totally, they want to appeal to everybody. It's like, they'd be like, oh, but I don't want, you know, this person to you know, um, not choose me because I haven't said their name or their industry. Honestly, like you really don't miss out on the business. I, I truly believe that. I'm a perfect example of this. I speak at lots of property events, right? So I run a digital agency. Property is not the only industry I work within. We work a lot in healthcare, we work a lot in tech. Um, but I, I speak a lot on the property circuit because I have a good understanding of, of the property industry. Um, so that's all great. I love it. Obviously, when I'm presenting, I'm speaking directly about property. Um, but the, the amount of people that approach me afterwards and say, 
do you only work with property because I have this dentistry or I have this other a lot of people in property have multiple other businesses that yeah. are funding what they're trying to do with property so um and you know they will approach me afterwards and go I know you're just talking about property but I also have this and I can tell you honestly that even when I'm at a property event and I'm speaking to property investors that more than 60 percent of clients that I onboard through property events are not property people and you're not doing something property with them no yeah, it's about not at all. the business yeah yep. yeah that's fascinating isn't it mm-hmm. I think that's fascinating so don't be scared so make some decisions don't be scared um but know who you're targeting and and what you stand for and and um the kind of messages that you're trying to get across yeah absolutely um which is brilliant which is brilliant um, the, so I want to also tap into, um, you know, you obviously run a successful online digital agency, but you also do a bit of property investing yourself. So what attracted you to start thinking about property investing in the first place? The thing that got me into it in the first place was that I really was looking to diversify income so you know the business was going really well you know I built up some profit in the business and I just thought what am I gonna what do you do with this do you you at to that point I'd sort of been reinvesting it in the business and growing the team etc um but then you sort of think actually you know the smart thing to do here is diversify and make sure that I have multiple streams of income so um I'd heard a few of my friends sort of talking about investments that they're done in property um, I'd had definitely people on my case about, you know, trading and, and shares and all this kind of stuff. And I, I, for some reason that just didn't, I found that really difficult to understand. It wasn't something that just resonated with me. Property, I feel like it's sort of something that it's a bit more tangible, isn't it? Because you can yeah. physically see something and see I can see what right. you've invested in. It's yeah, very, it's, very tangible and it's not moving anywhere. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And of course, exactly. You sort of know that no matter what kind of deal you get into, if you can hang on to it long enough, you're not going to lose out. So um, I guess that's initially what sort of attracted me to it. So I uh, started doing that. As you can probably hear from my accent, I am not from the UK. I am from New Zealand. Uh, I have lived here 14 years, but the, the property sector is really, really different. Like I, I, um, I didn't really know a lot about the UK market. There's a lot of different legislation, um, obviously areas, locations. I mean, I've lived in central London the whole 14 years I've lived in London. So I was just like anything outside of zone one or two, I just had no idea about really my, my knowledge is quite limited. So, um, yeah, so essentially I, I just thought I, I bought one property, my first sort of investment property was actually in New Zealand um, and off the back of recommendation, um, I've got some family that work in as quantity surveyors and architects and things. So of course, they made some some great recommendations to me that worked really well. I started to get a really amazing return on that and thought, hmm, I'm missing a trick here. <laughs> like the fact that I haven't been doing this sooner is crazy. Mm. So, yeah, so essentially that's sort of got what, what got me into it. And I thought, you know, I need to start putting some of the profit from my business into property obviously sort out some property training that's how you and I met each other and um yeah the rest is history really and you know it's been a slow journey for me I think it's one of these things it can be difficult I think in the property sector where there's a lot of pressure and actually a lot of judgment around how you choose to invest and how quickly you're supposed to build a portfolio which I found quite um in some ways overwhelming and in some ways hilarious because I just thought actually we're all on our own journey here we're all trying to achieve our own things and and I actually remember Mike you and I having this conversation where I was almost like okay so I'm gonna like you know double what I'm doing and you were like hold on a second (laughs) 
why are you why are you changing your goals like what is happening here and I was just like oh because you know all these people that I'm meeting are telling me this and telling me that and you're just like no 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 so you helped me a lot with this because it just helped me to really narrow down and decide like what am I trying to do here and you know I came into this going if I can buy you know a, a single lit property every year for the next 10 years that's me quite happy um, yeah. And you helped bring me back to that goal where it was like, you know, it's simple. It's nowhere near as ambitious as many property investors. But the reality is property isn't my core business. It's it's my secondary business. It's sort of, you know, it's my pension. It's my future. So it's not something that I, I necessarily need immediate return on, which is totally different from a lot of other people. I understand that. Um, so, yeah, it's a little bit of a it's been a unique experience, um, but f- feeling good. And, I, and, you know, I get to meet amazing business people, too, which has actually helped to win business for my marketing uh, agency as well. Yeah, so so that, it's been, been, yeah, so there's been some spinoffs for you as well, which is fantastic. As yeah. Present at, at events. But it's a real it's a real message I try and get across on this podcast, actually, is that, you know, it, it does well. Tortoise wins the race, in my view, not necessarily, you know, you don't have to go out. But as you say, you just come across so many people who are, who are in so much of a rush. And actually, the best property investments are made over time, over slowly, just securely, safely. Um, and, uh, you know, as you say, everyone needs to hone into why they're doing it. It's not yeah. about what someone else is doing. Don't compare yourself. Do what's right for you. And as, obviously, as you said, we had to have some discussions just to bring that back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I said, well, you've got a successful business. That is where you want, you know, probably also your passion lies. Yes, you love property, but your passion lies in that. Yeah. Um, you know, don't just distract yourself. You're not trying to build another second massive business. As you say, it's your future. So I think it's, it's really important people don't compare themselves to other people. Go at their own pace. Decide what they're going to do. And it's perfectly all right. And you don't have to get into all these complicated things. You know, if you break property investing down, it's actually quite simple. Probably a bit like marketing, you'd say, let's break it down to its core components. Yeah. <laughs> and actually marketing is relatively simple and common sense if you actually really think about it. Yeah, exactly. But people overcomplicate it, don't they? So that's what you're there to help people with and, and, and do. So bearing in mind that you do have this and you were trying to establish property investing how did you manage to juggle the two because it can take quite some time it can take yeah. you know especially when you're getting going as you said your headspace is going all over the place because you're trying to work out what to do and everything yeah how did you manage to juggle the two areas together yeah and, and manage to succeed in both i would say that, that my first year was definitely a challenge i had silver penny syndrome <laughs> Yeah. where you know as as i've just kind of mentioned i came in with like a fairly clear goal but very quickly once you insert yourself into what i found is particularly the property industry you start to hear of all these amazing things that people are doing and all of a sudden you get totally sidetracked and trying to do something completely different that you didn't sort of intend to do so that definitely happened to me in the first year and i started thinking ah oh, you know i should be getting into hmos and i should be doing all these other strategies or whatever and actually, again, this is a conversation with you, so I'm very grateful. That I'm not here just to plug your services here, Mike. But um, <laughs> what was really useful about that is, again, I reminded myself, like, you know, this my marketing agency is my core business, that that is actually has a really strong revenue stream. It's consistent. It's, you know... Um, I have everybody on retainer, so it's a very consistent cash flow. And... Um, do I want, how much time do I really have to invest in the second business? And I remember, you know, you and I breaking this down and sort of saying, 
right, how many hours a week? And I was like, you know, 10 hours a week for me is a major push to invest in the property side of things. And you're like, okay, well, the reality is, you know, that's going to take however many long years it was. We've kind of mapped it out to achieve what you're hoping to achieve. So why are you not just, you know, taking it slow and, and deciding to just invest in this one property year as per, as, as per the original discussion? And that's sort of what brought me back to that. But I think in terms of, I guess, the question around managing time across both, what the conclusion I eventually came to was, actually, I don't, I want to, I want to try to be a passive investor in inverted, you know, if that actually ever exists. Um, but I have almost managed to, to be completely passive. And that's because of partnerships that I've formed for the type of property that I invest in. So because I, I focus mostly on single lets, I do just have um, property managers that manage those properties. Mm. You know, I maybe speak to them every once every two months when something pops up, like it really isn't, I really am quite hands off. Um, and then the only other sort of property work that we do is lending. So, you know, whether it's through some crowdfunding or whatever. So again, really hands off. We look at the reports that come in every month and then we're done and dusted. So, you know, it's for me, it is quite passive. So I think at this point, other than my first sort of year, two years of really learning property and trying to understand how it all worked, I would say at this point, I, I really probably can say I do less than two or three hours a month. Yeah, I was gonna um, say, you must be now because it's kind of, you know, in, and intentionally. And I think this is this is what people need to understand. What kind of property business are you building? Totally. Are you building a business that you're going to have to run full time like your marketing business? Yeah, is? yeah. You have to work in that full time. You know, I've built a property business that I work in. You know, I well, I have multiple property businesses and I work in certain sectors more than others. But your intention was to set it up so you would only spend a few hours a month and you can spend only a few hours a month. Yeah. Set it up with that aim because you've gone for single lets, you're utilizing. Yeah, uh, great broker that sorts out all the all the finance. All, you know, yeah. like having all of those right people in place, I think yeah. is massively important. And again, the great thing is, you know, once you've got a few properties, then of course you negotiate on your uh, commissions to the property managers and all that kind of thing. And the deals get sweeter as you go. But um yes. You know, it, yeah, it's it's that definitely wasn't an easy. It sounds simple now that I say it out loud, but certainly the first eighteen months or two years, I would say I was almost, as you've kind of said, overcomplicating things, like trying yeah. to insert myself too much or trying to, I don't know, test out different things or whatever. And and actually, keep it simple, delegate, <laughs> get other people to handle it, trust them. You know, obviously you have to do your due diligence when you're hiring people or whatever. But mm. once you've built that really good team that you trust then it becomes a lot easier yeah and and, it, and there's nothing wrong with like having a having a letting agency manage your properties and i find people again oh, i should be saving that money and da, da, da. it's like did you really go into property investing to become a letting agent is yeah, that really no. what you wanted i definitely do? didn't i no, think you know most people don't yeah like leave someone else who does it like like you know hence they employ agencies to do the marketing or yeah or an accountant to do your books you you know let the professionals who know and understand that sector do it that's absolutely fine and people go yeah but it's what about the cost and i'm trying to you know and it's like i still have those moments i'm not going to lie like you know we've got our commission down to i think six percent now but it's you know even that i look at that and i think what do they do this month like yeah. nothing happens like what do they even do for that and then i'm like no because when it does happen like they yeah. just figure it out and i don't have to even worry about it i just have to say yes if it's over you know whatever yeah they'll give you a call come exactly. with you should we do this and then it's a yes or no i'm spending some money and then back to yeah. get and, and that's off it is and it, it and also i've just learned with that just say yes like <laughs> 
just get it figured out (laughs) (laughs) because there's no point trying to go back and hassle or or haggle on whatever the negotiation is in most cases it's just like just say yes just get it done So really, so, you know, clarity seems to have been a theme of this podcast, actually. It does. <laughs> clarity for marketing, but also clarity about what you're trying to achieve in any business, really. So I guess that's translating business tips into, you know, property investing. Yeah. What kind of, you know, obviously having run a successful business, what, what, what would you give as a tip to someone who is, you know, starting up their property business or wanting to accelerate their property business? What key business tip, what one of the best business tips you could give to someone? Um, I would, I'm going off the top of my head here, but I'd say there's two things that immediately come to mind. One is having a great accountant. (laughs) Um, so really having someone that can understand the finance, I will happily admit that that is not a strong point of mine. I am a creative. I am a salesperson. I like people. I don't like numbers. So the spreadsheets and the numbers and figuring all that out really was yeah. quite an overwhelming thing for me. So getting the, that right person in place, I think is huge. And of course, even if you are a numbers person, you just need a great, great accountant um, because they can teach, you know, there's lots of different things that you can do with different, different taxes. And, you know, we've gone through R and D claims and all the sorts of stuff where you can actually, you know, there's some really great ways of yeah, getting some money back offset. to reinvest. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. There's actually quite a few things you can do. Yeah. Exactly right. I, you know, I think I made that mistake in my first year not having uh the right accountant in place and not understanding the flat rate VAT scheme, for example. So um, you know, I lo- ended up spending quite a lot of money on VAT that I really didn't need to in those first few years. So um, you know, having a great accountant, I think is really, really important. And then the other thing I think is just having the right people around you. So is that a coach? Is it a mentor? I think that's a really hard thing for a lot of people to get past to, to spend money on something like that when you're thinking, mm. oh, but I'd rather just put that money into a deal or I'd rather put that money into something. For me, I just think the right information and the right guidance is worth its weight in gold because again, maybe for my situation, I'm running another business. I don't have the time to understand everything myself and to go and educate myself on every single thing. I just want, it's much easier for me to pay someone who then tells me this is good, this is not good, or this is what you need to look at to just help focus my attention. So I think, you know, that having the right coach or mentor in place, I think is well worth it. So do you, do you currently have a business coach? So do you have a coach who helps you through your business? Yes. Yep. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So I've got a business coach that I work with. Um, I also have an amazing, I've built an amazing network. Um, so one of the other things I absolutely love is having this, you know, a business accountability group and I keep it small and mm. it has changed over the years. Um, a mo- more recent one that I've put together is actually with other agency owners. This is maybe more the marketing side, but a- other agency owners, so there's six of us all own agencies and we just get together every eight weeks and we just lay out all the problems (laughs) and lay out all the successes and it's phenomenal how much we can help and support each other yeah shared supplier costs um shared team members sometimes when we need to lend out on different projects um you know helping to solve challenges and problems we've worked on client projects together it's just been like having a real that little network and putting together a group of people that you can really resonate really share quite openly with mm. but also collaborate with has been pretty phenomenal yeah so it sounds as though you've created an amazing environment there because you know a lot of people you know i guess in old, old ways gone by would have said well hang on these are a whole load of competitors of mine potentially yeah um but actually people say that to me all the time take, take <laughs> the other approach 
that collaboration is going to take you all further and it's about a growth mindset instead of a um what do you call it you know or being inwards and protective a protective totally yeah of like this is mine i'm not going to let out any secrets and etc etc whereas yeah. you, well if i can share all of this and they share all of that we're all going to grow and we're as you say there's no it's something you said earlier on wasn't it this is a business for everybody there is um, it's all about sharing your values too i think just being very clear on what you stand for what your values are what are important to you you will find you attract people that are the same i know i said this already but it's like i'm not gonna you know pull someone into a network that's you know really aggressive and like absolutely not my style who's gonna like try and steal all my clients that, that was just never you can tell by the way that i am that that's just never going to be the case so yeah, I, I think, do you know what, I, this is a really sort of off topic sort of story, but to, that helped me to realize this, but I actually did a trip to, we, we have a whole sustainability element within our business for social mm -hmm. impact. And um, I actually did a, I took my team on two trips, um, well, three trips actually over the last three years. We did a trip to Borneo where we did some pro, pro bono work and some volunteering work planting trees. We did a trip to Cambodia where we did, again, some pro bono work, some marketing wow. work with a few different NGOs. And then we did the same in Kenya last year where I went and visited all these different projects. And um, one thing I learned while I was in Kenya was um, we actually, we give business loans to women that are starting businesses. And we, we got to meet um, 24 of these women that had received these loans and some of this training. And we got to share business ideas. So they talked to us about their business. I talked to them about my business and we just exchanged ideas and tried to come up with, wow. you know, solutions. It was, it was honestly, it was incredible. As you can imagine, life-changing experience. But one thing I took away from that, that I learned from these women is, um, and we sort of know this when we look at developing countries, but a lot of times they, they work in co-ops. So, you know, there might be six women in a co-op and, you know, they all run their business. They come together every week you know, this woman did really well. The next woman had some trouble because whatever happened. So one of the women will lend the other woman some money to get her through this week. And they just, they, they share and they collaborate and they, they work so seamlessly together almost as a team, but with these completely independent businesses. And I really just walked away from that trip and thinking, why am I doing everything by myself? Like, why am I working so hard to be so insular and not share what we are doing as a business and I, I came back and it's been a little over a year now and I that's where I put that kind of networking group together where I just thought there's got to be a better way to do this where we're really sharing and really being quite vulnerable and open so that we can help each other and I can honestly tell you it's been the most amazing experience so yeah I bet. That, that is incredible and I guess it's that vulnerability isn't it that probably is where all the gems lie and mm -hmm. where you get the most showing that vulnerability Totally. Um, and I think sometimes for business owners, that's quite tough because they're very difficult, especially when you're ahead of the business. Yeah. Um, you know, it's something certainly that I would probably feel is like, I don't like to show that vulnerability or I don't. Like I hate it. I absolutely hate it. Yeah. Those kind of things. But it but it sounds as though it's really strong for you. And one of the and, and I should imagine this year with what we've been through, that has yeah. been valuable and the motivation, the insights, the kind of kick up the arse that sometimes yeah. you're yeah. on track has been has been incredible and that's probably why you're sitting here at the end of the year yeah. <laughs> we've had a challenging but probably rewarding year really good year, um, yeah and because of that so very much about getting mentors getting masterminding type groups getting people who can help and support so really it's like don't do it by yourself don't be the only person don't sit there and suffer no, exactly. i've been guilty of that i've definitely been guilty of that um at times but also I've invested quite a bit in getting support but it's 
we should all go out and, and ask, don't be scared for asking for help. And it's the only way that you're going to do this is solve it, solve it collectively. And, and I find other people have very different view. They're looking at it from a very different angle to you because you're in it and you're like suffering it and you're feeling it and you're emotional about it or whatever, you know, and sometimes mm -hmm. you get clouded, can't you? Whereas someone else comes straight in and just goes, why haven't you done that? And you go, yeah. What annoyingly make it really simple and you're like oh god <laughs> oh I wanted to fuss about it and be upset yeah, about it for a bit longer <laughs> yeah as humans I think we like to overcomplicate things or totally. maybe it's our personality type I don't know we're probably similar personality yeah. types where we love to overcomplicate because we're the creative <laughs> souls who just want to be creative and be create we create too much yeah causing unnecessary complication where there's a simple simple aspect and simple simple thing to it um that that's amazing is that 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 and, and that must have had a massive impact on on the team as well, you know, going to these places, experiencing these things. So the fact that you were giving back, but actually you were also receiving as well by, by doing it. Incredible. Oh, yeah. I can honestly tell you that we got more out of those trips than what we were giving. You know, I think you sort of go to those locations and you sort of feel like, oh, aren't we great? Look at us doing this voluntary work and, you know, how, you know, pat ourselves on the back or whatever. And I honestly can say that I walked away from that being like, they taught me <laughs> like that was not really, although we might have, you know, helped. You actually, gosh, you know, and totally. yeah. And about incredible people that you met along the way that, which, which is, which is amazing. Yeah. Um, so as, as we're on all of this as well, what, um, what I like to ask people is if there's been something that they've read or listened, you know, maybe a podcast they've listened to, I know you have your own podcast, um, but what, what, you know, a lot of people read motivational books or self-development books. Has there been a particular book or something that stood out in your career or in your, you know, in your journey that, that's really had a significant impact and why? Yeah, I think um, there's a couple of things that, well, there's, okay, I'll, I'll tell you maybe one podcast and one, and one book. Yeah. Um, the book that comes to mind straight away, and I feel like I say this on a lot of podcasts, is actually... Uh, our friend Daniel Priestley's book, 24 Assets, uh -huh. um, because I think that that helped to give me so much framework in both of my businesses um, to help get the right assets in place. And, you know, he obviously runs through lots of different things in terms of actual tangible assets, but then also things like culture within a business and, you know, values and, and all of that kind of thing. So I think that book really uh, stood out to me. Um, I, it's, it's helped me so much. I've referred back to it, you know, over the years and it, it's really helped to give me a really good foundation for my businesses. So I think that is well worth a read. Um, and podcast wise, I really love the podcast. It's called no stupid questions. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm actually forgetting the name of the two hosts that actually produce it, but they sort of go through multiple subjects on each episode that are really quite, um, they really dig into the psyche and there's a lot of, there's a lot of psychology involved in it, but they really dig into some really um, just interesting questions. A lot of them are relative to business, but then they're also sort of, um, I guess, digging into our why and human existence too, which I find absolutely fascinating. Mm. And I can't even tell you how many, even just for my business content ideas I come up with listening to that podcast, no stupid questions. It's um, it really is amazing. I, I would thoroughly recommend it. Fantastic. That's brilliant. I think I, I will try and tap into that. Later. Yeah, definitely do. I always get something out of this. Hopefully the listeners also get something out of this that they get their ne next things to read. But yeah, I, I like all of Daniel's books, actually. I think he's, he's uh, phenomenal. I think he, 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 you know, a lot of principles I've, I've incorporated and I can see you've incorporated into your business 
and and um, you know some of the things you've been talking about and thinking, yeah, 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 yeah I can see see that. You start see to that see it, yeah, through, which is brilliant. Um, but it is about implementing what you learn, isn't it? Because you know a lot of people. I also that's the other thing I think with property as well. I think a lot of people are guilty of trying to get all this knowledge and then not actually implementing it or reading all these self-development books, but they, they, they're they on to the next book before they've actually implemented any of the key learnings yeah. out of the last book. Ideas, um, knowledge are just nothing without action. Without action, exactly. And I think that's what you're very good at is actually taking action and get it into business and doing things. And like, you know, these trips, absolutely phenomenal. You know, they give back element to your business, which a lot of people I think kind of have the idea or feel that they should do or whatever but you fully implemented it into your business as a mm -hmm. philosophy which is incredible which is amazing so that that's fantastic um so it's really cool to see um and then um we're, we're sort of coming to near the end of the podcast but i always like to ask um uh, my guest um where, where's Stacey going to be in 10 years time? I always like to do the drop, drop the bomb at the, the end of like, right, 10 years time. And that, you know, I often see the deep breath. I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, that's literally why I just uh, said that. That is oh a long God, time. But, 10 years, know, Mike. Yeah, After a because, year like 2020. Yeah, right. exactly. Uh, so that's 2030, you know. Yeah, 2030. I, nice I, round I, numbers. I joke with people, I'm going to listen to all my podcasts in 10 years time. And see <laughs> see where they are. Hold yeah. them accountable. We like that, yeah. right? I do yeah. love accountability. Uh, so 10 years, Lara, let me think. So, um, oh, well, we do have a big um, sustainability goal within our business, which is to give 1 million days of access to human rights workers, wages, education, and um, things like uh, shelter, water, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So 1 million days of access by 2030. That's an initiative we actually put in place a few years ago and we're 20% towards that target. So actually we're very much on track for that 10 year goal for, for 2030. So that's a, a big, I guess, social impact piece. Um, by that point in the business, I'm hoping to have, I wouldn't, I, d I don't have any plans to sell my agency, but I would like to have stepped away from running the agency um so i think at that point I, I have the ambition to to maintain a lifestyle business um i don't have this rapid growth ambition to turn it into this huge huge corporation um but i do i would like to i would like to grow it slightly bigger to what it is right now so we're a team of 12 at the moment um somewhere between 6 and 20 staff is where we would like to be and we're always sort of heading for that goal of around £100,000 in revenue per head. So um, that's sort of the goal that we hope to achieve. Really, I would say five to 10 years, five years would be ideal, but 10 years I'm, I'm sort of okay with. And at that point, really having me out of the business so that I can travel and um, do all of the amazing things that I want to do, be able to travel home whenever I want. Um, I think it's just to have that freedom. That, that is the dream. Yeah. So a bit of balance. Yeah. Freedom. Yeah. Balance in your life. So Basically, again, it comes back to probably what you said right at the beginning and one of the main motivations for going into the agency in the first place, which was being controlled. So you yep. can do what you, so you have the options to do what you want and other things aren't controlling you. And I guess that's I guess that's driven you into property, that's driven you into business and it's driving you today. And also the ability, as you say, the sustainability and giving back and everything that is also driving you, but also going and enjoying life. So I think I think that's brilliant. And one of the few people actually that I see that are, are, are walking the talk, if you see what I mean, <laughs> um, you know, genuinely walking the talk. Also what's brilliant, I think is that it's now, it's not by comparison as well, living life by comparison. It is about, this is who I am. This is what I want to do. I don't need to grow this business to like hundred people. I don't need to do this. 
this is what I want out of life and that's what I'm going after and I'm going to enjoy the journey. I'm going to give back along the way and um, make a big positive impact on, on, on life and on me and on my clients, which is fantastic. So um, thank you so much for spending some time with me today and sharing a lot of your insights with your listeners and everything. Um, if, if the listeners want to reach out to you and get in contact, how, how best do they do that? Yeah, absolutely. So the best way to contact me, LinkedIn is where I'm probably most prolific. So obviously just do a search for my name, Stacey Keogh, K-E-H-O-E, um, or visit my website, brandlective.com. I can send you that to, to link into your show notes. Um, and of course, I mean, I could probably offer, Mike, if any of your listeners would like a copy of my book, um, it is a number one bestseller on Amazon, and it's called Get Online. And if anybody would like a copy of that, um, please do visit our website, pop an email through the email form, and I'd be happy to ship out a copy, a free copy to any of your listeners. Brilliant. That's that's very generous of you. So thank you very much. And is there anything else that you wanted to add just before we sort of wrap up and finish? No, I think it's just, well, I think overarching message I always would take give people is what we've talked about here, which is just action. Just take some action, just start building some kind of presence digitally. Um, even if you plan to only run a business offline, having a digital online profile and visibility will do you no harm I promise so just get started just go and do it get started get perfect later so get going just get get on and do some of these things um but also think about and I think the well some of the important messages at the beginning was you know get some clarity around what you want actually want out of it and why mm-hmm. um, yeah. so just answer those questions then get going with it don't stick around and hold on and don't let fear hold you back. Don't worry about if you get something, you can always you can always move it a bit, can't you, later on if you find that you're attracting the wrong people in or the wrong things are happening. Absolutely. But if you don't actually start, you're not going to get anywhere. So uh, everyone, get out there, get online um, and uh, raise those profiles. Um, and if you need some help doing it, go and talk to Stacey. <laughs> it. So brilliant. Well, thank you very much, as I said, for spending the time with me today. And uh, it's been brilliant chatting and brilliant that we've caught up again. I haven't spoken to you for a little while, but it's great to see that you've had actually a, a very good year and in a year that has um, been tough for a lot of people and obviously um, the global pandemic. So uh, yes. congratulations on that. It's lovely. Oh, thank you, Mike. Thank you for inviting me. It's been a great conversation. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, so bye. So thank you. You've been listening to the Property Business Accelerator podcast with Mike Frisbee. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and at our website, propertybusinessaccelerator.co.uk.